Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. Well, you are all in for a treat. Uh, I got to sit down with John Bybee from Lakanto Products. John, uh, if you can't watch the video, if you're listening to it online, uh, I will describe this for you. John is sitting in front of this amazing uh, portrait that he drew. It's like a, it's an illustration of koi fish that he made himself with this amazing uh, mustache. And then it just got better from there. So John works for Lakanto. This, uh, this great company that has set out to change uh, the, the landscape on how people consume food that we want to consume anyway. So we talk about uh, a lot about that. He, we, I learned about monk fruit and how it's made. And I learned about his inspiration for packaging and how they incorporate packaging into the corporate vision and all sorts of just incredible things. So I hope that you listen. And if you can, check it out and watch it on, uh, on the Vimeo page that I have. I'll go ahead and link those in with the show notes. Uh, but you do not want to miss this. John was incredible. I think we're, we tried to do it live and it crashed and burned. So hopefully we can uh, maybe even have a follow-up conversation live so that you can ask him some questions. I think that could be really, really cool. So here is my interview with John Bybee. So uh, it's um, my pleasure to be with somebody with a significantly better mustache than I will ever have. Uh, Mr. John, how do you say your last name? Bybee. John Bybee. Uh, we are both here in the great state of Utah, and uh, I'm going to let uh, John do uh, do an introduction, but I'm super excited to talk through um, how the company that he works with and um, just his role within that company, within this industry, um, is interacting with packaging and doing some really cool stuff. So, John, why don't you uh, kick us off and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and... Um, how you ended up in uh, in the job and company you're with? Uh, okay, I, I've been in the business about 20 years. Um, I started actually in the illustration program at BYU. Okay. Um, and about halfway through the program, I found graphic design. My high school didn't, you know, way back in the day in 1986. Um, you didn't have as much access to, you know, what we have now. And so I wanted to be something in creative and, uh, I thought illustration or artist was the way to go, but I found graphic design in one of my classes at BYU and I'm like, wow, I love this. Right. Yeah. Um, so I switched over, begged somebody to give me an internship, um, worked free for six months and just got even more sold. And, you know, flash forward, you know, a couple more years, I'm working in as a print designer doing, you know, all sorts of collateral and stuff like that. And this new um, medium came out, the web, you know, uh, and none of us knew how to develop for it. So I taught myself how to code mm. and to take my designs and actually make them, you know, web ready where there are everything was hard coded everything was working everything like that yeah. i'm telling this because i started as you know print designer i found something else and i taught myself how to do that then i went into the ad agency world with that knowledge and then i picked up video production and storytelling visually that way right 
Okay. And while working at ad agencies, I, you know, we get these little pieces of, oh, we need some packaging. Mm-hmm. We need some, you know, we need to take what you've done for the branding and develop for us and put it on packaging. And so I would talk myself into getting, talk them into letting me do those type of things because, you know, packaging is kind of a specialized trade. It's something that you learn over time how to make things do what I call shelf talk. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at something on a shelf in a store and you've got to be able to talk better to that person than to the next package next to you, right? Yep. It's, it's an unassisted sale, so how do you do that, you know? And over time, I started doing packaging, and I really liked that. So then I'm like, well, I'm going to try and get a job with a firm that specializes in packaging. That's it, right? Yeah. So I put the word out, put my resume um, on the Art Directors Club in Houston because I'd spent some time there before doing design. And the day later, I got a call from the creative director there, and he's, we, we love that you're in advertising. We need somebody that has that mindset, and we want you to come down and, you know, learn packaging, but keep the mindset of the bigger picture. Hmm. So I spent four years there working with clients like Coca-Cola, Minute Maid, Adwala, some electronics, but it was primarily kind of food packaging and, you know, consumables um, and learned a awesome. lot. Yeah, I learned a lot there from them. And, uh, you know, from there, I've just kind of continuously build myself as the end-to-end solution of, you want to start a brand, I can take you all the way through all those steps to get it to where it needs to go and that you're, you know, successful at whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, and that's got to be such a such a challenging thing and having that unique background between taking a concept uh, and, and having it line up in print, so print marketing, digital marketing, online marketing, and then uh, what is now both retail and in-home marketing. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I've, got, I've got a bag here that we'll talk about, but yeah. uh, you know, this, this is now competing because people are making decisions in the home uh, yep. and at the retail shelf. So, um, how- yeah, especially with the current situation, we've been talking about how we can do that, how, how we can sell and talk about our product in a way that is, again, unassisted, but in a different medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of brands are having to pivot and shift. Uh, not that, yeah. not that in-store, especially in the, in the products that you are in, it's not like that's just going to disappear overnight. Um, you know, I've said Amazon bought Whole Foods for a reason. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly this, the, the COVID uh, situation a- across the world and in the United States is, it's, it's having re- repercussions everywhere. Yeah. Um, and packaging you- is no different. You know, we found that even brick and mortar like Target, right? Their sales have jumped exponentially online. And so they're putting a, more, a lot more into that. And if you go through the buying experience there, which I've recently done because we're redecorating the offices, um, it's, it's a much more cohesive storytelling. You When you check out, it's not buy it, it's ship it or pick it up, right? So it's that whole idea of the shift of how can I get this product and how can mm-hmm. I get it to them the most efficient way? is pretty impressive. Yeah. And so maybe uh, tell us about kind of what, what are you doing um, today uh, with, uh, so we, we kind of had your journey and your background. Yeah. I think that's, that's really awesome. So, um, and by the way, uh, the, um, are, I guess, are those koi fish? I don't know my. Yeah. I painted those 
for a house I had in Houston that was a really long wall. Oh, you just three sections, but they, this is one part of it. You're just going to flex like, I just painted that. It's fine. I'm <laughs> Sorry, like, I was in illustration. No, no, it's fine. It's awesome. I'm like, I bought, what is it over here? I bought, I bought this, this canvas of, uh, of one of my favorite Banksy things. So I, yeah, I was just going to say that was like Banksy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's really, that's really cool. It was funny because I heard recently that, um, people have a shorter attention span than goldfish. Um, it was in it. And it was in a conversation about the importance of retail shelf impact and packaging. Oh yeah, yeah, um, seconds if that now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So um, yeah, let so me tell you about what I'm doing. Please. Um, so I'm currently the creative VP at Lacanto. Um, it's a that was also a securitous route because I started. They hired me to come in and help them rebrand the product. It was a contract that I was doing on top of other businesses that I do. Um, and I fell in love with the product so much and they also were happy with where the brand was going that I decided, you know, they came in full time and then went from design director, creative director to creative VP or VP of creative. Um, because I'm passionate about this brand and, and I don't, I don't like taking either freelance or full-time or you know contract branding or whatever i i do a lot of things i don't like taking anything that's just a piece anymore yeah because you can't you can't do or tell an effective story or do effective marketing or branding with just a piece one piece of the pie hmm. right and these guys brought me in just to kind of help them rebrand the packaging but then they realized with the breadth of knowledge that i've i've, I've collected over time into my toolkit, um, I've been able to take them and, and taking more pieces of that pie for them to where every piece that we're doing right now, you could look at me as the orchestra leader. I mean, that's the best way to look at a creative director, right? Right. I mean, they, they take all the musicians and make a cohesive piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so you, you've got a, I mean, you have to understand essentially every every component of the business in order to yeah. effectively effectively be uh, be creative. Um, yeah, I will. Uh, so, so you don't you don't know this, but my background is actually I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a licensed uh, ordained minister. Uh, <laughs> I did not. Know. I know, and and this is just an interesting tidbit, and and I think about this a lot with my kids. We have five children, and uh, and my wife and I are constantly encouraging them to be creative. And it's what's really cool is the very it's it's a divine uh, almost right uh, because it's the very first thing you learn in the Hebrew Bible about God. It says in the beginning God created, and so our creativity um, is 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 unearthing you know divinity in people, and I think it's really cool. And so our you know we are always encouraging our kids to be bored and and get creative. And so I love that you actually have the title. Uh, of of VP of creativity, so. Um, I <laughs> well, think that's, it's funny you mentioned religion because I'm part of a religion that believes in, you know, giving blessings and things like that. And I had a blessing when I was 13 that told me that I should pursue the creative field, okay. which is pretty dang specific if you think about it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I've done that, and it's led me on a path that I enjoy. And I feel like this is more of a calling than just a job. 
Yeah. It's something that I eat, drink, and breathe, um, and I can't live without it. If I wasn't doing it, I'd be a miserable person. Well, now, now you can hold on to to, uh, to that little that little tidbit and nugget as well. Um, yeah. Cool. So um, I, uh, I I got connected with you because just as a consumer, um, you know, my wife and I we went on a on a uh, keto journey, which is probably how a fair amount of people find end up finding your product. Um, mm-hmm. I did not know that you were in Utah until recently um, when oh, I yeah. when I looked at the bag and I was like, oh, Orem, Utah, look at that. That's right down from where I, where I live. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's, you, you, you guys are doing such a great job, not only with, with your branding and with your packaging. Um, and I do want to talk about some of these new product launches because I cannot wait to get my hands on this, uh, this Suntella that you guys just, uh, Launched about. yesterday. Yeah. Was that yesterday? I knew it was yeah. pretty recent. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to, you know, kind of want to hear um, about that and maybe with the role that packaging plays in general in, in the creative journey of launching a product, um, especially in, in the middle of the time that we're in today. Um, yeah. So that could be a cool conversation. Um, but, but, you know, beyond that, then also the, the way in which you are helping people stay healthy. Um, you know, I think that that's probably even something else that, that I was kind of processing through as I was preparing for this is, um, it's not just enough to have, you know, social distance and that's good and wear a mask and that's good and wash your hands. That's good. You physically, you have to be healthy. You have to be consuming good stuff, um, in order to help fight off, um, and attack viruses. So, um, and you had mentioned to me before we started talking about just how you connect, uh, and brand with, uh, with empathizing with people and telling their stories. So, uh, that was a lot. That was a lot of. There's a giant word salad. Yeah. So yeah. let's start first with um, with uh, Lacanto and and the the pathway to launching you know a, a product like Suntella. So um, you know what what is that like? You know, are who who is the who, where's the genesis of that? And then how does something like that develop to all of a sudden you're coming out with this this great product? Well, let me let me step back, actually, if you don't mind, and let me address the whole um, why Lakanto is, you know, and then yeah, we we'll get into Centella. So, I mean, Lakanto is is a mission or cause based company. It was started by a guy who is vegan, uber natural, had a health food store, and really wanted to have an alternative. And if you if you really look at what sugar or natural sweeteners, so-called natural-based sweeteners, do to your body. Um, and I don't want to get all you know deep on this or anything, but really sugar is it causes an inflammatory response in your body, mm-hmm. right? And if your body is inflamed, it can't do what it needs to do to fight off diseases like heart disease, diabetes, any kind of infection, or other right there's the list of like seven things that can that that if you cut out just one thing in your diet which was sugar your body would be doing a million times better right Mm -hmm. absolutely um so that's that's the impetus for lakanto and we came out obviously shown this right we came out with a sweetener right yeah this sweetener is zero calorie no net zero net carb zero glycemic so diabetes won't you know diabetics won't be affected by this right mm-hmm. it tastes like sugar it doesn't have the nasty aftertaste like a stevia or some of the alternative natural sweeteners right mm-hmm. and the the best thing about this is this is a new 
monk fruit, where this is all coming from, is was cultivated for a thousand years in Guilin, China, hmm. right? By monks. It's called monk fruit for that reason. The the real name of it, that is the that is the given name that most people give it. The real name is Lohanguo, right? Okay. And it looks like a giant grape. And when you crack it open, it looks like kind of mashed bananas inside with with big seeds. And that stuff, when you pop it in your mouth, it's like instant flavor explosion because the natural extract is 300 times sweeter than sugar. Right? Okay. But it doesn't have any of the effects of sugar have. And it also fights inflammation. There's a lot of other benefits, right? I mean, when I did research to come into the company, I found things like even it helps like xylitol where it helps plaque in your mouth, right? Interesting. Okay. I mean, there's all sorts of side benefits to it, right? But the main one is it's healthy for you without any of the side effects of other sweeteners, Mm -hmm. including taste and other chemicals and things that go in your body. Yeah. And so that was kind of the genesis of, of, um, of the brand was really, you know, not, not to just make another brand or not to, not to have a retail product, but the genesis. We want to change lives. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Our mission is to help people increase, uh, their health. We, we call it chi, right? Because we've, we've focused around that because chi is part of your, your mind, body, and spirit, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the ancient religions and Buddhists and things like that, there is this, there's this, this philosophy about that. Um, and I actually, when I did the rebrand, um, did a bunch of research about just the monks and what religion they were, which were Buddhists and other things. And that's how I, that's where I started is they did it because it was a health solution for them. They used it for coughs and flus and other things like that. Cause it has a natural cooling effect on your throat. And then I just went from there is how can I incorporate those teachings and that knowledge of chi and other things into the brand and imbibe the brand with that. That's cool. Uh, have you been, um, have you been over and have you spent time then over in the, the Buddhist, like it would it be like a Buddhist monastery? It's that's where it originally was. Yes. Uh, monk fruit is grown on these hills that it's a very sensitive um, fruit. It's actually not really fruit it's a gourd, but you have to, the climate has to be exactly right. Right. That's why it's there. And that's why it's grown there. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I've been to, I've been to China like 15 times. Okay. But I'm, it's an amazing culture. It's unfortunate that most people of the U.S. has have one perception of China. Uh-huh. They make that they make cheap goods, and that they cause infections. I mean, that's the right. perception that you know that you hear. And I'm like, it's a beautiful culture. It's a beautiful uh, people. It's it's steeped in amazing things. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. created gunpowder. They created paper. They created printing. It's yep. an amazing culture, and I just they don't get the credit that they that they deserve, in my opinion. Yeah, I've been, I've been able to go there um, a couple times myself uh, through um, just through the through packaging and uh, thought yeah, similarly. Yeah. I mean, Me too. Uh, the the more the more that I think people can can understand and explore the world, um, the the broader you can you can extend your senses. Um, then I I think you know like we've talked about we talked about before the interview that the greater your level of empathy can rise because you can understand. Um, you know, maybe, maybe what people are going through. So um, that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great story. Is that, so do you still get the sweetener then? Does it all, 
um, come from this one region or is it kind of? Yeah, it's actually a protected um, plant or uh, species. Okay. The Chinese government has technically made it illegal to grow outside of the country. There are some sources outside, but it's the climate's so great that you just, yeah. why, you know? We based our, our factory, our processing factories, our extraction plant there as well. Okay. So that when it's, we just got organic certification on some of our products as well. So again, the perception of China, it's, it's dirty. They don't care about, you know, cleanliness and things like that. It's, um, it's grown on hillsides that have been farmed for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a, they have a natural sustainable cycle where they grow the plants for a few years, then transition to trees and then um, clear another section and do the same thing over and over again. So there's always this cycle. Okay. And then they take, they take all the pulp and the processing from the fruit and put it back into where they're planting. So it becomes a natural mulch um, oh, cool. and, and, and sustainable and cyclical that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so the company starts with this mission in mind to help people. You find this killer uh, ingredient called monk fruit that um, has existed for thousands of years. And yeah. the owner is like, we're going to go ahead and take this. Um, and so... Did you just keep coming up and finding ways in which you could help people make better decisions while not sacrificing, uh, while not changing the desires and the behaviors of people because we still will that's, crave That's key, better. yeah, that's key. Um, but we can, eat, we can eat in a, um, like I use it in my, in my coffee as an example. And so so do I, in my tea. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so I, I, I didn't want to give up the, the, the human satisfaction of sweetness. Um, yeah. But, and, and you're just kind of continuing to navigate through what areas does this work and. Yeah, our goal is to create products that are still convenient and healthy for you instead of what's on the shelf today, which is boxed goods that aren't healthy for you, but are convenient to cook and make or bake and make, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we started with the sweeteners um, because that was the lowest hanging fruit and that's what people needed first, right? If you have that base, you could make anything with it, right? Yep. But there, there are a lot of moms and dads and other people out there um, and just people on the go that need to have something that's healthy that they can't, they don't have time to cook from scratch, right? So we thought about, okay, what markets could we hit that would help these people to be able to keep whatever the way they want to eat without sacrificing, right? Like mm. you mentioned, right? I mean, the problem with diets is diets have an end in most people's minds. Yeah. Um, and it almost has want, to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, because they're miserable. Most people are miserable on a diet, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what if you could create a product or something for these, for, for people that they can use for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. right? without any harm, without sacrificing taste, without sacrificing um, consistency or things that if you've ever tried to eat alternative stuff, a lot of vegan or alternative foods, you're sacrificing something, hmm, right? Yeah. Um, and we try, we've tried to create things that aren't necessarily like that, right? So we started with baking, you know, like a sugar cookie, right? And okay. then we went to, oh, well, well could we do muffins, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about, can we do ready to eat? Can we do snacks? You know, we're talking about, you need to sign an NDA now. Okay. Um, <laughs> talking about, I mean, nobody, nobody will listen to this interview, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, Costco sells things like famous, famous cookies, right? Yeah. Snacks that people just pilfer. They're in, you know, uh, lunchrooms for companies. They're everywhere and they're convenient and easy to do. So what if we created a famous, famous mini cookie that is yeah. sweet with monk fruit, low carb, keto friendly, all the things that people are trying to eat like these days. So you don't sacrifice anything, right? Yeah. And what if we did something like a guilty treat like gummy bears? Mm -hmm. Or what if we did sodas that were sweetened with monk fruit that are good for you, like, you know, adaptogenic style drinks? Right. We're exploring all sorts of things like that so that it, throughout the day, people have something that they can eat or consume that will not make them feel bad internally and externally guilty. Right. You know? By the way, the... Um... So Colorado native, uh, spent time in Colorado. I lived in San Diego. What is the deal with the soda shops here? Because they're every, like, there's so many soda shops in Utah. I'm like, holy mackerel. Uh, you guys, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the reason. You need, you, need to, you need to go talk to those guys about getting yeah. uh, monk fruit sodas because sweet mother, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, some of them are actually, like Virgil's is using our monk fruit oh, cool. um, in some of their alternative ones. There are some smaller companies that are using it. There's a coffee company. We actually sell wholesale. So we sell to a lot of people that make products themselves. That's awesome. Um, because we don't want to cut any avenue to use our product. Yeah, because the goal is to change people's lives, not, right, to, right. not to have a brand. Right. Yeah. We, we, we want to be able to be sustainable so that we can continue doing what we're doing. Right. But we also want to provide it for anyone who wants it. Right. That's cool. Um, so back to the comment about the soda companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. So, you know, there is a dominant culture in Utah. Sure. A dominant, a dominant religion. Yep. They have no other vices that there's you know, that they can consume. So, what is the vice? Soda. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. All right. All right. So that's that, why they're dominant. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Okay. Um, so you guys are. Uh, we'll go. We'll. We'll. Uh, will uh, depart from the soda conversation okay, <laughs> soda shops in Utah. Um, so you guys are coming out with all these things. That's, that's exciting. Um, you know, I am, we don't have to spend any time on it, but I'm really excited because my kids uh, have consumed a, a healthy amount of uh, the Nutella in their, in their day. So now I'm like, okay. Oh, there's a healthy alternative for it. That's awesome. And again, I don't have to change my children's behavior. And habits, which are really hard to change, um, especially with with five tiny kids. So yeah. um, I just get I just get the uh, I'm I'm able to now provide them with healthy options uh, to do the things that they enjoy. Um, that's that's super. That that's really cool. So um, so you guys should check it out. I'll put a link they uh, where they can go buy these things uh, in yeah. the in the in the post. So great. Uh, that's awesome. But I want to talk about my favorite subject, which is packaging. So you're in creative. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, um, so you're in. Uh, you're you're the VP of creative. You're coming out with all these new products. Um, you are. Your work. You have a background in packaging design. Um, so, what is what what is the thing that inspires your packaging? to be on par with your brand um, as you're, as you're coming out with these things. 
because I'm guessing that you don't just say, well, what is company X doing? Let's just do whatever they're doing and slap our logo on it. There's probably at least, there's probably some of that. Some of it just by nature has to protect the product. But um, what, what is, what are some kind of inspirations behind not just your packaging design, but also um, how you, how you choose, you know, what, what packaging substrate even to use? Um, so the first and foremost, we want to, we look at a competitive analysis about anything in the, in the market that we're in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and our goal is, well, it's many folds really. We want to, we want to be in terms of sustainability where we have a bigger picture on how we package, right? Eventually we're going to move into things like. Um, biodegradable packaging, recyclable, and things like that, right? Sure. But we also we also look at the sustainable footprint in terms of where we're producing the packaging, and then the the, the carbon footprint, the inks we're using, and other things like that. So we're always looking right. at, at things like that. But you have to. You, the, I mean, people don't, but it, it does require a holistic look. It's not as simple as like this is good, this is bad, this yeah. material is terrible, this material is great. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And one of our things is we we try not to overpackage, right? Because if you look at a muffin mix, normally it comes in a chipboard box, mm-hmm. and then an interior plastic packaging, mm-hmm. and then who knows what else they're they're using in it. But we try we try and kind of underpackage and make it at least disposable, um, and don't overpackage. Just use, don't use too many materials, right? Yeah. And then if we can, we produce locally with our printing because then we also reduce the carbon footprint of getting it from China right. to here. Now right. I'm not gonna, we, we produce in China, obviously. Sure. Because we ask our products there, right? But then we're tied to that geographic area for a reason. Right, right. Right, but whenever we can, we try and produce locally and other things like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the, the, the point, your first point about um, kind of the holistic nature of things I think is important. So I just did a, um, I, I showed a post about uh, Tide. Um, they had this like bag in a box for e-commerce. And uh, I just thought it was interesting because I think the packaging is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And a little video. And it, I, I don't know what like blows up on LinkedIn means, but it's got, I don't know, six, 7,000 views and people are commenting about it. There's a lot of people who are like, um, oh, well, the the bottle was recyclable, you know, it was a whatever HCP yeah. or PET bottle. I don't even know what kind yeah. they are because that's not my background, but, and, and I'm like, yes, but think about how the packaging shipped to get filled. So yeah. a flat box and a flat bag ship, yeah. you can fit and they're, it's tied, right? They're doing millions and millions of these things instead yeah. of a bottle with air. So when you talk about like a muffin mix, um, you know, a, a muffin mix is going to ship and it's going to get into a box and that box is going to be put into a, to another mm-hmm. box and it's going to go to a distribution center and you're going to be able to fit 24. And then of those, you're going to be able to put X on a pallet. And instead you're going to get, you know, whatever the number is 25 times more or yeah. 25% more, not 25 times, 25% more onto a truck. And that truck is going to be using, so it it's, yeah, I, I could talk. It could be my turn. No, it's a, I mean that's a, that's that's exactly what we think. Like we'll do these we we do these boxes for our influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And we looked at oh, if we're going to produce this box and if we're going to produce it in China, do we produce it so that it's already formed or do we produce it flat? Right. It's right. Going back to what you're saying, right? Do we fit more and then in turn 
have used more efficient with space, save costs, save time, save, save the carbon footprint and other bits and bobs? Um, or do we produce a beautiful box that we'd all be proud of, but not so proud of because of those other reasons, you know? Yeah. Would you yeah, feel so, guilty because you produced it? So I've, uh, I, I've got, um, and I've shared this before on other podcasts, but there's four, and I've even thought about maybe a fifth um, bucket that you have to put this topic of sustainability into because it's a hot button topic and yeah, you know, you're in creative. You guys get asked about it all the time. You have a, yeah. you're, I'm guessing you guys are in every state. Right. I mean, you, you sell. Yeah, we have supply. distribution all over the world, all over the state. Yeah. Other yeah. Than the US, yeah. Yeah. So, and whole yeah. So people are, you, you have, you have a lot of customers who are probably coming to you on a daily basis with, you could do this or you could do that. And, yeah. um, yeah. and so, but when I, when I've talked to people about this, this topic of sustainability, I'm like, yes, it, it's got to be good for the planet. And that's the hardest thing to figure out, honestly. I mean, what, what is, if you, if you take a holistic approach, what is good for the planet is a tough conversation. It's a great conversation that we need to keep pressing and having. But the yeah. other four, the other four are not, are, are much more um, objectively defined and it's okay to live there. You know, is it good for the product? Uh, so does it protect the product and do its job? Because food waste, yeah. you know, food yeah. waste is, is an incredible source of uh, global climate change. Uh, and, and my personal opinion is that packaging can solve that. Uh, is it is it good for your profits? You can't you can't go broke your business. You know you have to. And again, it's that's not that's not a fun conversation. But no, it's not, and nobody likes that conversation. It's hard it's hard to have that conversation because I've had it with even our execs where it's they I want to do more, and they're like we've got to phase it because you know you build in this this cost to produce a product right? and you put that product in the store and it's $5 more than the product next to it. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to, it, it sounds heartless, but you've got to manage that with the better product, right? We try and tell the story of why it's worth it, mm -hmm. why it's worth it to buy our product versus another product, right? Sure. The, the health is a big one. Right? Is there are there other ones that we can use like sustainability and caring about the environment? Yeah. You do have to manage that. It's a hard conversation to have with people that are purists in one camp versus another camp. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not as simple as I think everybody wants it no, to, wants it to be. Not. You know, the other ones are. Um, you know, is it is it good for? Uh, I guess it would be the fourth. Uh, is it, is it good for your people? Is it on brand? So you know, yeah, maybe it is arguably better to get a clay coated newsback box with 65% PCR and uh, you know, but it's not, it's not going to be on brand and people are like, well, what does that matter? And I'm like, because if by definition, if you cannot sell your products, you don't have something sustainable. It's yeah, not, yeah, exactly. it doesn't, doesn't do you any good. So, yeah. um, and you guys do it. I was noticing on here, um, you know, you can tell the, the focus point, and I'm, I'm guessing this is intentional because you've got like the, um, the UV, you know, it's kind of eye catching UV and you yeah. focus on, uh, I don't know if people can see, yeah, you can kind of see it. Uh, you focus on obviously the brand, but then also down here, these are the probably that you're trying to very quickly communicate to somebody in seconds that this is healthy yeah. than, than company ABC right next to me. So yeah. Yeah, when I when I design, I think of primary, secondary, and tertiary information. Right? Okay. 
And I call, you know, there's a thing like called that. brand blocking, right? When you, when you brand block, if you go in a store, there are great companies and Minute Maid does a great job of brand blocking, right? If you look at their juices, which I actually helped design. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can see, all right. yourself on the back. <laughs> it's actually, you know, you, you go down the shelf. It's like every logo, regardless of what flavor of juice they're selling or what kind of, like it's, if it's fruit punch, orange or whatever, all of them line up. Hmm. The, the canopy that they use, the leaves, all of that lines up. And then the fruit and whatever the, the flavor is for that particular product is all in one line, right? And there's a, there's, a, there's a benefit to doing that is because then people see your product, it becomes scannable, and it, it gives them the ability to see, okay, this is what I want, and this is why I want it, right? So yeah, I do that intentionally. It's like primary, yep. ter- secondary or secondary, sweet mid-long fruit, tertiary, right? So yep. it's what is it, is there any more details of what it is, and what will it do for me? Yeah. Right? Sorry, it wasn't in view. So no, it's fine. What is it? You know, what more detail, what will it do for me? Yeah. And when I, when I got, when I started this rebrand for this company, they did what I call the shotgun approach. They had like 20 features and benefits listed really small at the bottom of the packaging. And it was just like, it was unreadable, unscannable. It wasn't, it wasn't doing what I call shelf talk. Yeah. Right? It wasn't telling them a story that they needed and wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And they, that inner dialogue in their head where, okay, I'm looking for this. I want to do this. I need this. Does my packaging do that versus or better than the one next to it? Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's where I start. That's cool. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it, I mean, it certainly does, you know, it certainly does stand out. So well done on that. Um, if you want to geek out, I mean, the, the, yeah, I let's always, do it. When, <laughs> when, let's go. When I design, I try, I try to get every sense I can, you know, sight, touch, smell, feel, right? Smells a little harder. Yeah. Um, but I've actually, if you didn't know this, they actually make you scratch and sniff varnish uh-huh. that you can put on packaging, right? Yeah. I actually looked into it for like this product line because it's vanilla, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's quite a bit more expensive than regular varnish, so we didn't yes. do it. But I say that because I'm always trying to get that across. So when you see this, like you pointed out, right, there is a spot matte varnish on here. Uh-huh. And then if you see, I mean, normally somebody would, oh, let's hit this with gloss too, so we have the other thing, right? Yeah. But why hit it with gloss when the material The material's is already glossy, right? right. Yeah, so you just knock that out. And then you have the ability to cut your cost by not having as many plates and things like that, right? Yep. And then I also always like to have a little aha moment on packaging. Maybe it's just an Easter egg that I see or something. But on the bottom of this one, you see a row of clouds, you know, like oh, yeah. there's always just a little something. I didn't even, you, I've never noticed yeah, that. That's really, yeah, cool. I don't know if yeah. anyone can. Well, on that yeah. one's a little hard. Yeah, right. So because that's white on white. Yeah, but it's things like that that I always like to do, and then the touch, right? If you if you pick up this product, that 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 matte varnish gives it a tactile feel that, in my mind, gives it more of a premium feel. Yeah, versus just a shiny packaging that's all slick and plasticky. It doesn't it doesn't plus up the product or tell the story of the brand, which is it's a premium brand, right? You pay a lot mm-hmm. more for this sweetener versus sugar. Yeah, I've uh, um, if if you want to be connected up with some people who really geek out about that, uh, I got to interview Dr. Andrew Hurley, who's at Clemson University, and they have um, 
they have a whole studio where they do, I mean, they do eye tracking analysis and all sorts of things. But one thing he was telling me was that you see the proliferation of soft touch varnish. And yeah. it's and, and the reason, the reason for that isn't because it's some sort of great varnish or anything. It's because it, it's communicating aesthetically. This feels like human skin and, oh. and people naturally, we are predisposed to trusting um, ourselves more than anybody because yeah. we think we're right all the time. When yeah. we think we're wrong, we change our mind. So, yeah. uh, so when, when somebody picks up your brand, uh, that's why you're seeing so much soft touch is because of that analysis that yeah. it's, a, it's a subconscious trigger. And it's, you know, people are listening right now like, oh, really? Well, I'll show them. It's going to happen. You're just going to, you're just going to do it subconsciously. Yeah. Uh, I remember when soft touch came out, it actually wasn't even a varnish. It was a paper called Blank. Oh, and okay. uh, everybody wanted to use it, but it was really, really expensive, right? In the print world, we wanted to use it for everything. Yeah. Um, but somebody got wise and said, well, I'm not going to pay for the paper. I'm going to create a varnish that does that. Right? Yeah. And that's how the proliferation of soft touch came. And it didn't work on packaging for a while. Now it does, you know. They, oh, it's, yeah, now it's like everywhere. It to make it work. Yeah, it is everywhere. Yeah. Well, I've got one more, oh, actually two more questions, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. So, um uh, I, I think, what were my two questions? I just lost it. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go with, I think I'm just going to go with one. So you have uh, an audience of people, mostly in the packaging industry. And um, I, I'd like to ask this question with, with uh, you know, people who are in both worlds. So you have a packaging background and you are in a CPG company. Um, so you can wave a magic wand and say, this is what I want to see from the packaging industry. It could be rigid, it could be bottles, you know, it could be corrugated, it could be boxes, it could be films, whatever. You could wave a magic wand and fix any one or two problems. Um, what would those things maybe be? Wow, that is a broad brush. How do I, I know? That? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, you know, this is going to sound like I'm shooting myself in the foot, but. I would really like to be able to sell products almost without packaging. Right. Right. Um, because no, you're not the shooting product, yourself in the foot at all. Well, the product is what they want, not the packaging, right? Correct. The, the packaging is there to convince them that this is what they need in their life. Mm -hmm. Right. So how I love packaging, but can I market and can I storytell and convey to people this is a great product for you without using packaging. Yep. That would be an interesting nut to crack. So I don't know, have you read, um, and if you haven't, I can send you a copy. Have you read The Future of Packaging by Tom Zaki? No, I've seen it. I haven't, I haven't pulled it off the shelf. All right. Well, I'll send you, it's, it's uh, right, it's right back here on my shelf. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you a copy of it. But um, he's actually a big advocate for, um, for that in the sense that, um, uh, with with the idea of circularity and reusability and so yeah. because people don't think about the fact that when i buy this i'm actually a packaging buyer i have bought i bought the product but i own the yeah. i own this thing now you and do, i don't and really, then what do you do with it i don't really want to i don't want to own this at all i didn't buy it to own the packaging and this is coming from somebody who loves packaging um yeah. but i did not buy it to own that packaging i bought it to use a product and so um and, and then I'm not a very good decision maker in general. Humanity is not a very good decision maker with what to do and how to dispose of 
our packaging. And then there's a cost, a burden on society to remove packaging and do something with it. So yeah. it's a really, it's a really interesting book. Um, I'm happy to give you a copy of it. I think it's great. Um, I'm actually part of another company called Viore that, um, that has, that is really more, way more on the forefront of what can be done and what we want to do. Hmm. And it starts with the product, right? This is a solid bar shampoo and conditioner company started by a friend of mine and I and, and some other people. Okay. Um, and it is everything that we've done from ingredients on up, natural, organic, vegan, the the product comes in a bamboo steamer, you know, dim sum. Okay. You know, you get dim sum in it. So we actually don't even put it in traditional packaging. It's it's it is wrapped in in recyclable paper. So mm -hmm. it tells you what it is. There is a pressure sensitive label, but the actual packaging is in itself is has a first use and a second use because you use that little dim sum pack, put it in your shower, and that holds your shampoo. Got and it. because it's made of bamboo, it naturally doesn't, you know, cause problems like regular packaging. And then when you're done with it, you could have a second use of storing things, of even cooking dim sum with it, or other, right? That's really um, cool. Yeah. Clearly, I didn't I, do I, enough I, research to, to talk to you about that because I could have spent more time because that, that's, that's one of those cool things where it's like, how do you use nature? Nature, na nature naturally packages, you know, fruits and uh, it packages meat, you know, it's packaged with skin yeah. and hair yeah. and, you know, these kinds of things. So, um, we looked at the banana leaves, all sorts of things of how we could package this, um, and get it here, you know, and get it to the consumer with, and still work without using plastics or over packaging or too much ink or overprinting, overselling, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a great answer. I don't, I don't think that's because packaging is not going to go away until we can teleport something from a production line directly to a consumer. Yeah. You're going to have to do something, you know, um, but I, I think it's okay to say that, you know, this, this, this is, I, I don't, I don't want to own a flexible stand-up pouch. Um, I want, I want yeah. the product inside of it. And I think innovations around that, um, uh, you know, I know with, uh, with what Tom's doing with Loop, where he's taking, you know, rigid canisters. He tells a story, he says the most sustainable packaging is made out of 24 karat gold because nobody will ever throw it away. Right, right. Do you, you make just, the packaging valuable enough to where that they want to keep it? Well, like they us, have to. Like you the can, packaging gonna, geeks, yeah. Yeah, you've got, but you know, who's going to, someone's not going to pay, uh, uh, you know, whatever, a $25,000 deposit for one bag of monk fruit sweetener because... Yeah. Oh. Well, we've actually looked at this. Could this be used as a Ziploc afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. It's got a it's got a double zipper like a Ziploc does. Why couldn't we promote that? And we've talked about it. Is there a way of making even these second use? Yeah. And to make them last longer in the environment. And well, and what Loop would say is, can you make it out of you know uh, a tin that is then yeah. shipped, and then once they dump it out into a, to, to their own thing they ship it back and it gets uh, sanitized and then refilled and then sent back out. So that's kind of his, his yeah. uh, concept, which is interesting. Um, I think so. Well, when I did work for Altoids, they, they, we did a pillow pack for them, an idea for the clamshell. And they always have that second use story. People use those and put buttons, pins, whatever in them. Right. Yeah. That's also another Avenue for packaging. 
Oh man, we could keep talking for a long time, but I feel yeah. like if you've made it this far in the interview, you are the real superhero. <laughs> um, you do but, a very good job at interviewing. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Um, well, John, I love. Um, thanks again so much. Uh, what is maybe? What are some ways that people can um, interact with with you and talk to you, and um, if they've got questions on you know branding or design or whatever um well i'm on instagram and facebook and linkedin um yep the instagram handle is scribble on everything because <laughs> <laughs> i like to scribble on everything i love um it. facebook is just i think jonathan bybee and linkedin is similar or the same either john or jonathan bybee i never even look at those okay um but well, just look it. for the look for the curly mustache that's all you know i'm gonna try to so i've never had a mustache in my entire life uh, until, until the quarantine. And I just told uh, my wife, I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to, I didn't grow until I was 30 ish for November. And then it okay. just started curling naturally. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to see what happens. That's not natural. Is it? You do that, right? It, no, I, it, it naturally will curl, but it's really fuzzy. Oh, okay. Got so, it. <laughs> so I use products. I was like, in it. I was like you can't, you can't, that's no, not no. natural. Don't no, try to pull that on me. <laughs> It does have natural cool, but no, I use a, I actually use a crafting glue. It's kind of funny. It's a bio, it's a, it's a water-based glue that, that helps it control and get it right where I want it. What looks, I, I, ha, I do have some, a little bit of mustache envy. So oh, maybe gosh. one day, maybe one day I'll grow up and I can be like you with the mustache. Uh, well, cool. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and put those links down there. Um, really appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited to get some Suntella. I learned a, a lot and I hope that other people were able to as well. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll see you around the, uh, the Silicone Slopes. Yes, you will. <laughs>